0: Welcome to, because that's what heroes do, the MCU universe. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over this series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you will enjoy... In this episode, we take up Tom's favorite MCU movie, The Avengers. This podcast is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, backing in with Megan Doherty with our continuing challenge of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're going through the entire MCU on Plywell. We're both MCU uber geeks, and of course it's there. Plus it gives us an excuse to watch these movies. Um, So if you are an MCU geek and you want to be uh, joining us for a fun podcast, nothing too serious, uh, let us know. Um, We have guests from time to time. Um, So we're going to continue our exploration of the MCU in chronological order of the MCU timeline, not by release date. And today it is The Avengers. Uh, I don't know how much you can say about the Avengers or perhaps I'm not sure you could ever say enough about the Avengers from the fact that it was in 2012, uh, uh, or the highest grossing movie ever at 1.5 billion now exceeded, uh, to the scope of it, to having the whole gang together, uh, to having some of the greatest uh, action sequences ever done on CGI. Uh, I don't know, you know, how you could go too big when you talk about Avengers. as big as Endgame and Infinity Wars were. Uh, I'm not sure for me, Megan, anything will ever top that first Avengers. Just kind of could you give me how <laughs> you felt about it uh, uh, when you first saw it? Was it just... Overwhelming? Was it just so big? Was it just wow, 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 wow? Um, What was it?
1: It was. It was definitely closest to wow, 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 wow. Uh, uh, Because and it um, it was all happening very in a condensed fashion when I was getting into it. Um, But you know, that's enough movies into the universe that you kind of know everyone. You at least have a bit of a flavor of all of the different main characters, and seeing them get together um, is really satisfying. And I think the way. They went from individuals, individual stars, into a cohesive unit over the course of the movie. It was really good storytelling, uh, too, and the way it happened was really um, narratively and emotionally satisfying. Um, so I, I and it's, there's some really great explosions and great fight scenes, and, and I love those. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's let's uh, talk about a little. What were some of your favorite uh, plot points from from the Avengers, the first Avengers?
0: When we were getting ready to record this, I told you I'm not sure we have enough time because <laughs> yes. I, if we, just on the plot points alone, I loved so many of them from uh, kind of the opening scenes, but where uh, they were working on the Tesseract box when the box got stolen, uh, when Loki, uh, Loki was the one that stole it, a um, hypnotized Hawkeye. They made the fabulous escape. Uh, to the moving to New York, where the, uh, uh, or rather, not to New York, but to the um, uh, <laughs> aircraft carrier in the sky. Uh, the scenes in there where they capture Loki and they put him in the in the cage, and you know he's going to do something to talk his way out, and surely he does. Then when we have the Avengers finally get together and some of the sharpest screenwriting. Um, I have ever seen in the witte repartee between um, Iron Man, Tony Stark, uh, Captain America, mm-hmm. uh, the Hulk, uh, Dr. Banner, uh, even Loki, uh, Hawkeye, uh, excuse me, not Hawkeye, but uh, Natasha, uh, the Black Widow. It was just it was just fabulous to see that. And of course, when you had uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Uh, kind of hurting <laughs> cats, uh, if, if not running the circus, I'm not sure which. All of that was just fabulous. We had uh, Phil Coulson, uh, of course, Agent Phil, um, and then the fight scenes on the ship, the battle scenes, the part where um, Captain America and Iron Man worked to restart the rotor, uh, I thought was as good an action scene as as really any of them. And that's before we even get to New York. <laughs> then we get to New York and Tony Stark has the penthouse suite of penthouse suites. Frank Sinatra got nothing on this guy. And uh it's got every cool toy you know it's got Jarvis, it's got pepper, it's got its own you, you landing pad. Uh, it's uh Oh man. So like 60s bachelor pad. That's all I could see there. That was the Frank Sinatra reference and, um, <laughs> just a bar to end all bars. Um, and then, um, then of course we have Loki arrive with his army and we have a big battle in New York. We have, um, the, um, group of generals decide they're going to nuke New York uh, to save the world. We have Iron Man uh, stop the nuke and redirect it (coughs) at Loki's army, which destroys them. Um, Just uh, there's a a very memorable fight and battle scene um, that the Avengers engage in uh, just outside of um, Mm -hmm. uh, Grand Central Station. It's a famous overhead uh, uh, drive in Grand Central, and, and they show that. Uh, the lots of New York scenes that they show. Um, it's uh, you, you can watch it and watch it and watch it and never grow tired of it. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of an unintended quick plot summary. Uh, but there's, I mean, I've just scratched the surface. The, I was trying to think back to if I had a favorite part. And even though I just laid out that whole fabulous summary, actually my favorite part may have been when Natasha Mm. as the Black Mm. Widow goes to get the Hulk in India. And Mm. there was so much touching, uh, 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 not tension in a negative way, but really positive tension between the two. And it's clear there's an affinity between the two. And that she does uh, really feel there's there's some electricity and chemistry between the two that we we explore later. Um, but you see the uh, just the stark dynamics that Bruce Banner is is feeling as the Hulk at that point. He doesn't know how to control himself. He's he's tried to shut him off from himself, off from humanity, and and we're about to find out that doesn't work. Um, and they send Natasha to get him and they send Natasha with an army uh, of assassins, and uh, it's uh, lucky for the army of assassins that uh, he decides <laughs> to go with her rather peaceably and peacefully. And and there's just so many smaller scenes like that that I found very touching. Hawkeye's family, you know, was one that uh, I, I thought was was touching, On almost, I don't want to say out of place, but certainly not action-oriented. So... Um, <laughs> I've rambled on long enough. What? Why, why is this movie so special for you?
1: Well, I mean, it's certainly special to me. I think it doesn't have um, quite, quite the the shining beacon of a place in mine as it does in yours, but uh, but I do like it. I love um, the individual introductions or the the reintroductions of each character. I really, really enjoy. Um, so, and kind of each of their journey through the movie into getting to the point where they are on the the floating airship aircraft carrier in the sky so for natasha it was you know being in that interrogation when uh, when phil calls to say oh bart barton's been compromised and she's just like pardon me let me deal with this very quickly and efficiently <laughs> hilarious so good you've got the the russian gangsters like i, I wasn't giving everything away yeah <laughs> so great there i think you know some some fan service but who doesn't want fan service uh, i just want to see them all looking fantastic and doing their best um you know, and then um, uh, when she collects Hulk, that's fantastic. Uh, everyone, it started to kind of, I think, really come together when Loki was in uh, at that gala event stealing the eyeball from whoever it was that had security access. And he was, everybody kneel, everybody down on your knees. Well, what better way to bring back Captain America who hates nothing more than Nazis? So, a <laughs> way to build an enemy for life there, Loki. Good job. Um, but, you know, great, great scene. Um, and then when they all get together, and they the way they spat with each other, because uh, they are so individuals, none of them is comfortable with teamwork on any level. Um, so so just seeing them all fight each other and then realize, you know, hey, they're on the good side, but the good side is very, very gray area uh, in terms of what it's doing, what it's building, and what its goals are. Um, so that kind of brings us to the sacrifice of Phil Coulson, which is one of the the – a really – heartfelt and crushing moment um, but leads to one of the best form-up movie, um, like moments and, and kind of getting ready montages of all time. Uh, so so that's, those were some of my favorite parts. Uh, and of course um, it, anytime you're blowing up a big city is going to be one of my favorite parts of a movie because that's, that's just what I go to movies for. <laughs> so the Battle of New York was iconic.
0: So let me pick up on the uh, scene with Natasha as a black widow. And the opening scene is she is tied to a chair. There's four or five very nasty Russians about to do something to her. It's not clear.
1: Yeah, rip out her teeth yeah it's or-
0: not clear what or even perhaps at that point why. But one of their phone rings and uh, they answer the phone. And it turns out, well, it's for Natasha. And it's uh, Nick Fury saying, Hey, we need you. And, And to which she says, I'm in the middle of an interrogation. And at that point, that answer is plausible because she is tied up to a chair and they're about to ask her some questions. And then she says, and I'm about to get out of what I need. And you realize something very different. Give me a few minutes. And she hangs up there.
1: Let me put, let you, let the put you on hold. And then it's Colson. It's Colson on the other end, just kind of waiting as if he's on hold to the sounds of like a thrashing to end all thrashings. Oh, it was that so was great. so
0: great. Yeah, I'm <laughs> in the middle of an interrogation. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. The fight scenes in New York, uh, they built upon those in later shows that uh, I thought in a great way. Um, uh, but all of that uh, was just fabulous. There were some... Fabulous uh, cookies uh, that I wanted to bring up, and some I want to—they—they they weren't obscure to me, but even uh, for I think MCU fans, they may have been a little uh, obscure. And one was Build a Bear. So I don't know if you have nieces or nephews, but I had a daughter, and we lived at Build a Bear, and uh, <laughs> she loved Build a Bear. Dad loved to take her to Build a Bear. Uh, so we did lots of Build-A-Bears. Um, there was also a reference to the Blue Meanies. And the Blue Meanies were in the movie version of the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Um, so that's where the Blue Meanies came from. And oh,
1: okay, Th- that explains something for me. Thank you for that. So
0: those,
1: I didn't those that at were all. two of the,
0: the cooler uh, cookies that I had. Uh, One, which is a little darker, was um, that at one point, uh, Thor um, throws a hammer axe, and um, uh, I can't remember who he threw it at, I think at at a Mad Titan, and he said, you need to aim for the head. Well, that presages when Thor uh, tries to kill Thanos in Infinity War, but fails to do so. Uh, Thanos reminds him of that. And then in, uh, in game, when he does meet up with Thanos, he brooks nothing and chops his head off literally with one swoop of an ax out of the blue. Uh, so I thought that was a little bit darker, but, um, what were some of the Easter eggs or cookies that resonated with you, Megan?
1: I had, um, um more just, uh, moments that I thought were, were hilarious, writing and really, really great for that. And then, um, I realized it was Joss Whedon who wrote and, um, uh, contributed to a lot of those. So, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, and for all that's going on in Joss Whedon's uh, world, he does write great witty dialogue. So um, Loki being described as a full tilt diva by Tony Stark uh, was one of my favorite moments. Uh, and I think that because that was just so accurate uh, to how Loki was behaving. And and that made me think of when he was in the prison on the the, the floating base, And uh, Coulson told him he lacked conviction. And that was so interesting because he really did lack conviction. He's doing what he thinks he should to get what he thinks he wants as a villain. Uh, And he's dead wrong um, because what he really wants is, you know, to be loved. Uh, So I I thought that was really, really nice. Um, And then another one I had was uh, Harry Dean Stanton uh, (laughs) as the security guard (laughs) who was guarding the building the Hulk fell into. That was yeah. great. Uh, he's wonderful. He <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, again, other writings, like, you know, when, when Captain America and, and Captain Stark are trying to, to fix the turbine, uh, yeah, so it does seem to run on some kind of electricity. <laughs> Definitely. Some kind of, like, so good. Um, and really, really good at setting up how the characters are so different from each other. Um, when you know very soon they're actually going to be using all of these different skills to work together in a you know, beautiful lesson on friendship and teamwork.
0: There was a couple of others I wanted to raise. Once please, again, outside please. the MCU uh, universe, one is there's a Ben and Jerry reference with uh, uh, <laughs> uh, to a hunk a hunk a chunk of Hulk ice cream.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. they bring that back in uh, in
0: Infinity exactly. War 2, I think. And then it? there's also a reference to the Big Lebowski. Um, where uh, he calls him Dude, uh, which is a name for uh, the Big Lebowski. So,
1: Welcome. uh, I love the dude,
0: the dude, uh, the dude abides. <laughs> and then finally, there is one that harkens back to an earlier uh, episode or movie in the uh, MC Universe, and I think it was when uh, I referenced the scene in front of Grand Central Station when they're fighting what appears to be uh, unyielding odds. And Captain America says, I can do this all day. And we heard that line in Captain America when he was Steve Rogers mm-hmm. getting the tar beaten out of it in Brooklyn. And uh, that was his line. I can do this all day. So uh, I thought that was a pretty cool line because it was a pretty mm-hmm. cool line when he said it, when he was a much smaller and younger chap uh,
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the forties. So, you know, For me, Megan, I've talked about how big this movie was, and it's still big. They get bigger, but this was the first big one for me. And I still think back uh, uh, to either however we look at them, the chronology or release date. This was one of the seminal ones for me Uh, because it was so big, because it brought everybody together, because it just seemed to hit on every cylinder, every actor. Everybody was on their A game. And um, I don't want to say uh, that it made the others lessers because it didn't. It just, to this day, it stands out to me as as one of the top ones uh, mm-hmm. simply because it brought all that together for the first, for, really for the first time. Uh, as I said, even though they do get bigger and better, but I still think of, of this one is, is really one of the seminal ones for me. Obviously it's, worldwide gross I think bears that out for a lot of us Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. uh what maybe are some final thoughts you might have on what it meant either then now or or how your thinking on it may have evolved now that you've seen uh uh, gone back and seen other movies in the MCU well I
1: think you kind of what you're you're saying here, it brings, kind like, you know, of one of my, uh, let's call it a media related regret in my life. So, you know, certainly not huge potatoes in the grand scheme of things, but I, I do regret that I didn't see these movies as they came out because, um, what an experience it must've been to go to the theater and see that movie with these, these characters together the first time, you know, same for, for War for Endgame. That's an experience I wish I had had when it was happening and just being with other people, um, experiencing that I think would, cause it, it, um, you know, the, the, there's a there are people out there, movie snobs, you know, who like the the Criterion Collection and they won't watch anything made after 1960. Um, but you know, these movies they tell a really important story about power and relationships with people and and responsibility and 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 you know the, things being greater than the sum of their parts. Uh, and I think that they really stand up. Like these movies stand up as important. It, important pieces of thought for, for what we should do and maybe how we can think about things and how we can relate to each other. Um, so there, there's my little philosophical take on it, but I I think, I think these are really valuable media, um, you know, in, in the costume of superhero movies.
0: Yeah. That's that's really interesting. First, let me give you interesting point. One is, uh, I really never liked these movies when I saw them in the theater. Oh, interesting. It was, I was too overwhelmed. It's too big, it was too loud. It's too much going on. Sometimes I couldn't follow the names and to think back, okay, where did that come from? But when I got them on DVD and could sit and watch them and uh, watch the chronology uh, of the MCU, uh, that's when I really fell in love uh, with a much deeper uh, appreciation and understanding. And to your point about uh, the lessons, I'm a criterion snob, and, uh, uh, you know, subscribe to the Criterion Collection. And if you don't want that, know what that is, well, we didn't want you in our club anyway. Um, <laughs> but um, good storytelling always resonates. And I remember so when the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies came out. And I had this conversation with my aunt. And the M- Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies were based on 60s comic book stories. And we talked about if it was a great comic book in the 60s and it lasted 40 years, it must be great storytelling. And that's what made the movie so great. Well, these uh, MCU movies are grounded in, not specifically based, but in large part grounded in the uh, Marvel comic books. And they were great stories. And they made uh, great storytelling in in the comic book form and they've made great storytelling in the movie form. And, and to your point, they, they are great stories. And they do have important points that were communicated to 8-year-olds, 6-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 18-year-olds in comic books and the same age groups, plus a whole lot more in movies. <laughs> so I think you're absolutely spot on that, yeah, I can be a criterion snob and, and say, well, if it's not French New Wave, I'm not interested, but the reality <laughs> is, if you can put good elements of a story together, uh, you can communicate an important message and, and and you hit on all of those. So that's, that's really a great observation that just because it ain't Criterion doesn't mean it's not a great story.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, hey, why not both, right? You can like everything. We are vast and contain multitudes. Exactly. And there's lots of room for superhero stories.
0: So... Um, I guess anyone listening to this podcast is going to figure out we both love this movie. So, uh, well, spoilers. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but we got lots more to go. So, I hope you all will join us for our next episode because we're going to take up Iron Man 3, which was one of those when I originally saw it. I was not too keen on it. But then, um, so Megan, during the first six months of the pandemic, my wife and I sat down and did the whole MCU. Uh, So then I had a complete reappraisal of Iron Man 3. And then uh, getting ready for our next podcast, I've been thinking about it, getting ready to rewatch it. So I'm going to be greatly interested in what your thoughts might be. And I look forward to continuing this.
1: I can't wait until next time.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of hope you will join Megan and I again for our next episode where we take up the Avengers. Also, I'd like to tell you about a special podcast series that recently premiered on the Compliance Podcast Network, Trial of the Century, the Enron Trial, where with business journalist Lauren Steffi, who covered the Enron Trial, we take a look at the trial of Enron as opposed to the bankruptcy. I know you'll enjoy it if you like fraud, if you like trials, or you just like a good story. Check it out on the Compliance Podcast Network.